I'm John Murphy. And I'm Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch, Watch World. World. Welcome to Watch World. On this episode, we are going to 1983 to continue our Bond talking series. And we are doing 1983's Octopussy, where we <laughs> are just going on an all-time high. Because I think you and I both agree we enjoyed this movie a lot. It's great. This is this might be my favorite James Bond movie we've watched so far now. Uh, okay, I'll stop playing that. It feels like the turning point from classic Bond to modern Bond in many ways. Like visually, editing, special effects, act, like everything. It also feels like, man, if you're going to make a video game based on James Bond, this is the movie. It's got like... It's got like Street Fighter characters, like the guy who's got the buzz buzz saw in it, and it, like there's chase sequences with like animals, vehicles. It's it's incredible. This movie was fantastic. Yeah, I think there's just so much I think to like about this movie in a lot of ways, um, and I think it's also you know it's it's from a very fun era, you know, of a time where this is like peak Spielberg era, you know, when he's coming out with a bunch of stuff like so we're in the height of Indiana Jones and Star Wars and all these other things. So, oh, and those influences are there. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's so funny to watch this movie because you think like, oh, this movie came after Temple of Doom, but no, it came out before Temple of Doom. Wow. So you're like, oh yeah, like it did it did it better. Not I don't know, I don't know maybe necessarily better, but like it is up there as far as comparison. But um, yeah, I think overall for me, it's I think this is a pretty wild movie that has like some of the best I think physical stunts I've seen, especially in this era. Um, before we kind of get to the modern era, and then I think also like some of the best miniature work overall with some of the some of the stuff in here as well. Yeah, the explosion was pretty good. Yeah, all that stuff is great. Um, like you know, we we discussed this a little bit with uh, "You Only Live Twice" and the kind of you know. So this movie predominantly takes place in India and is like kind of fully embraces and explores Indian culture and some of it is a little bit I think too much on the nose where it can get a little bit I think over the top and I mean yeah we're only entering now a, a time where things aren't stereotypical or caricatures but also I mean part of the reason for that is these movies have always just been predominantly made by white Europeans yeah um, or like white Americans as well and what that means is the only lens they have into those worlds are like when they take a trip and when they take a trip they'll they'll go and they'll be like oh let's check this area out and what do they see they just see like the landmarks they just see like a show they you know and then it's like well we'll look at other media well how do they display these it's just it, that's why you you just get into this echo chamber of how all these cultures are represented yeah it's it's sort of there's a a over embrace of the exoticism yeah, of the area of the time, and it doesn't feel era. malicious though. No, and I'm glad. Unlike Temple of Doom, they don't ever, you know, go full like oh, dark and twisted. Yeah, you know, demonic Correct. kind of cult kind of Correct. things going on. So like, yeah, at least there, you know, and and you know, I think they they do a pretty good job of incorporating some, you know, I think characters of you know that are Indian descent and incorporating this world a little bit better. And um, oh, pour overall, one out for my boy. You know, um, and yeah, I think there's a reason why actually I ha I own this movie on on digital for some reason. I was like, why do I own this? And I was like, oh wait, it's because I like watching it. <laughs> it's awesome. And so it's, it was a good it. fun movie to put on. And you know, I think the story itself is really kind of complicated, but it's not like it's a complicated that you like hate it or like you're like. No, that's what's so brilliant about it is it's like it in a way. Obviously, I mean, there there is the nuclear threat, as there often is, because that is like the be all end all threat in many ways. But yeah. um, it was it was in a very spy espionage way where it was like, it, you know, it was it was like a false flag attack sort of a thing, which is clever. It wasn't just, well, another maniac has gotten his hands on a nuclear arsenal. Yeah. And, and it, it's it, what was good is that the, the plan seems practical and real. On a very basic level. Yeah. And then on top of it, you have this whole, like, Fabergé swapping kind of thing. Um, well, yeah, because the plan makes sense, too, because they want to set off this nuke. 
but they also don't want to wipe out like the major population centers because what they actually want is to take control of Europe. They don't want to just destroy it. They're like, oh, we recognize this is such a great place. We don't want it to be, you know, inevitable in the yeah, future. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it's a complicated, and we can get it when we talk about General Orloff and like the overall plan. But yeah, it, it's a little complicated, but it does make sense. It feels it more is. real. Yeah, it feels more practical to what like, an actual villain would do at this time versus like a what a Blofeld would do yes. or like a more maniacal guy that just wants to like end the world and restart it under the ocean or in space right. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's why I do like it like in in that realm of the the, the stakes feel real. It kind of it all feels kind of practical within in this world. Um, just to kind of before we dive in a couple of, I guess, notes on because this is one of the last, you know, I think uh, literature pieces that Fleming wrote before he died. Um, so the title Octopussy um, comes from a short story called Octopussy, and the story has nothing to do with what they do in the movie. They just took the title. Um, right. I read this, but there, isn't there a scene though from the short kind story? Of, it's it's it is related to Maude Adams's character when they're talking, and like her father. Yeah. That's kind of what the story is taken from. It's this like this British agent character, this major guy, and he's like hiding out somewhere, and he's like retelling the story. But he, like, he has an, a pet octopus, I guess, in that, and that he calls it Octopussy, and that's that's where it comes from. Um, it's so wild. Yeah, that and the, and the other short story that borrows from is this other one called Property of a Lady, which is the whole auction sequence is that basically. Yeah, um, and so that, those are really the two. And but after that, like everything else is completely, you know made up a bit as far as by this point um but yeah um you know i think we discussed this right before we recorded but i think the biggest knock in this movie that people have is the title i think be- it puts you off entirely i was shocked by how much you know like i went into this john expecting like one of those old uh like 60s movies where you've got like the women wearing bikinis with the big guns and like like that's what i went into this expecting was like a garbage like just one of the most sexist movies of yeah. Bond's entire experience, and instead, like yeah, he's got some horny scenes, but no, all of it's relatively for the most part. Yeah, yeah there's a couple it... times where Bond's being a little childish, but um... yeah, but that's why I said like it doesn't necessarily like he's not sexually assaulting people. Or <laughs> no, and he like legitimately has a connection, a woman that kind of looks like his age of his yeah. age, so it doesn't feel weird in that way. Um, you know, and also I think it's the problem of changing eras and the fact that i think the word pussy was you know in british probably culture was like a pet name you would give someone like your cat or your thing and like that word has obviously changed a lot in the last 50 plus years yeah if they called it octofanny back then it would have been a problem (laughs) yeah but yeah i could totally it makes sense in the context of early 60s fleming mind of oh yeah someone would call their pet this you know I that think he knew. name i think he knew. i guess and so <laughs> it's yeah it, you know it, it is interesting that way um also this movie 1983 i mean i kind of briefly hinted on this before this was the movie it had to go up against the thunderball remake never say never again so that's when sean connery returned right with kevin mcclory to kind of stick it to the cubby broccoli and stuff and so they uh, needed this movie to do well, and it did, um, which is why actually. So Roger Moore was going to retire after For Your Eyes Only, the previous movie, and they were actually doing a bunch of they were going to recast. But then once they realized they were going up against Never Say Never Again in the same summer, they were they begged him to come back, and he was like, "Okay, I'll do it." And he's like, "Oh, I'm going to show up, Sean." Con- Honestly, the farther we get into this, John, more and more, Roger Moore, I like him definitely more than Sean Connery. I think. I think so. I think because he fits within like movies that we like in this era and he kind of fits totally with that. Whereas like, yeah, Connery can seem more a little bit ancient and a little bit older and yeah, um, a little bit different, but I think uh, the transition from Moore to Brosnan too. I know they have Dalton in between, right? Yeah. Let me Um, see what you think about because Dalton is much more like Brosnan. Oh, interesting. Cause I think Moore is kind of like Brosnan too. No, I think there is a there's a distinct difference. Between, At in least in style. this movie, this movie felt to me like like a bit like a Pierce Brosnan James Bond at times. Obviously, not like the crazy tech stuff, 
but it also yeah. did sort of for the the time. I'm just talking more performance like wise. I think Brosnan sure. brings a lot more intensity to the role, whereas like more feels way much more laid back for everything. Oh, that's fair. Like he yeah, kind of. Fair. He, it seems like he's like along for a ride and he's enjoying it, which makes it seem like all his movies that he worked on, they all seem like they were blasts to work on. <laughs> yeah. Like it would seem like all just a big party. Well, I mean, I like Tim. Timothy Dalton plays the villain in Chuck yeah. um, in later seasons, and he's basically a super spy. So, I mean, for that reason, I think because I really liked that, I'll probably be into his movie. Hopefully. I hope yeah, so. we'll see next movie. Next movie we're doing is his. So. So this is the last more. Um, yep, this is the last more. Wow. So, um, yeah. Which and is a good one to go one out Dalton? On. What? What was that? And there's one Dalton? Two. Two. Okay. Wow. End yeah, of an a, era. So a good, good send-off, though. I think. Great send-off. For good old Roger Moore. Um, yeah, so let's just dive into it. Oh, let's do it. Uh, I like this opening scene because, A, it has nothing to do with the overall mission it's yeah. i like when movies kind of like he's finishing up another mission mm-hmm. um i'm it takes place in cuba i'm guessing with the like the, that's the setup i think i don't i don't know if i missed the chiron at the beginning but i think it's cuba because they have that castro looking guy yeah with the, with the horse. i don't actually remember either uh i don't remember seeing a chiron i, I don't think so but i think i, I don't think a, that's I think a assumed. thing that was standard back then yeah i think it's a, but sometimes they put that little thing in the corner yeah. and like where you are but anyways uh, I thought it was great. I think I love a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this scene. Um, mostly, obviously, the jet, you know, will is the jet that is the coolest part. But um, one part I want to... <laughs> wasn't that, wait, wasn't that Berlin? No, no, it was because everyone's speaking Spanish or whatever. He's like infiltrating some, looks like some like Central or American or Caribbean like base or something. Because mm. cause basically, you know, one part I want to point out was that he, when he switches into his... Uh, like that uniform, that disguise. And then he gets caught after he tries to put the bomb in that plane. <laughs> he like the other guy that like he's impersonating, like finds he's like small world. You're a Toro too. <laughs> I always thought that was great. Great. It was the Isle of Man. Oh, Isle of Man. Where's that at? John, we're Americans. I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just some. Okay interesting anyways uh but what do you think of the mini jet i think the mini jet is cool okay the mini jet the flying car the plane the train and the automobiles this movie john i think has the best combination of vehicle action sequences in all of the bomb movies we've seen by far yeah so far yeah so far I mean, uh, may, you know, maybe Casino Royale, obviously, because it's obviously current era, is up there. Yeah, I mean, so so far that we've that we've been going through, uh, that might change going forward. But yeah. like, because we got we got everything in this pretty much. Yeah. Um, the flying, I'd say. So the the mini jet, you're talking about the flying car. Uh, no, the, at the beginning with it, he uses he gets it's the oh. the horse trailer that turn that has the right. jet packed into it and then he uses that to blow up the the hangar okay sorry i didn't know what the heck the flying car was called so i was like is that are you skipping to the the flying car <laughs> I, I was so enamored with the flying car i actually watched that scene twice cuz it was so good <laughs> um that was pretty good it uh i mean it tickled my whole I like Bond with gadgets and things that you don't see in the real world, which is like for me, if the movie doesn't have that and it doesn't have a good cue scene, then like that's always a notch out yeah. on the movie for me. And this had both. This this had a great cue scene and had great tech in the movie. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, it was a great use of miniatures. So when that thing fly, when it when the jet flies to the hangar, yeah, they're closing the door. So that door is a foreground miniature put in front oh, of a yeah. camera so that like it closes perfectly and like it, yeah. so it makes it seem like it like they could fly that through without having the danger of actually it not getting through <laughs> in time <laughs> and destroying they did a good they did get a, a good job with that if i were any of those guys if they're trying to close the doors and he's flying through the hangar what are you doing like you know if you're causing you do crash. happen to close it in time he's just going to crash and you're going to blow up yeah, I mean it's sort of a weird. It like a weird I would have been, I would have just been hauling ass through that door, <laughs> just running as far. I'd be like, "You all die. That's <laughs> fine." 
I'll be the one man standing. They'll be like, what happened? And I'll be like, bro, he like flew in through here. I happened to get out in the last second. They're like, they all stayed inside. I was like, yeah, it was dumb. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, the whole homing missile was cool as hell. Yeah, I know. All this stuff was great. And all just like the shots of the, the jet stuff was really cool. It just, yeah. you know, it's like, because when you get like work with like a practical like device, you can just get some cool shots out of it. Do you know what the best part of that scene is, though? At the when end, when he lands it. Oh my god! <laughs> when he somehow lands it, like in Kentucky somewhere, and there's like just some like hick gas station, and it just says like it's just like someone just painted the sign. It says like gas, oil, <laughs> uh, like filler like, up. Pretty sure you can't use uh, that for jet fuel. <laughs> it's probably diesel. Sure, I think there's like a isn't there like a specific fuel you need for like oh yeah it's jet a, you're right engine. it's a jet it's not I was thinking it was more like a prop plane you're right it's yeah. a jet yeah so it is that uh, well yeah. maybe the the car portion has like a regular motor. yeah he's just gonna drive it down the road after that yeah <laughs> yeah you just pull the wings up you know there you go <laughs> yeah I thought it was cool as hell that that scene like really pulled me into the rest of the movie yeah no that seems great um. Let me get the main titles. Obviously, I, I played a little bit of the All Time High, mm-hmm. you know, Rita Coolidge. Mm. Great song. I think it's a good song. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, a good uh, slow jam. You know, Some nice of the recent song. ones were kind of like a dud or they were fine, but this one I was into. Yeah, it's like it's it's a, it's too much of the time, but it's in a good way. Yeah. I think it, it embraces a lot of things. Also, I think it's because it was written by John Barry, who came back to do the score in this movie. And I think he fits it so extremely well, the orchestral version into the actual movie that like, I think that's why it works really well too. Like as a song, yeah. you like it. And then like in the scenes when he's with Octopussy, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, he incorporates the orchestral version of the song in it. And it, I think it works really well. So It does. I, yeah. I have to say, just saying the word isn't what makes me laugh as much as it was. There, There's like a quarter second pause between you being like, all right, I have to say it. Octopussy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's much more the pause, the apprehension of just saying the title of the movie. Yeah, I kind of just say Mod Adams the whole movie, but yeah. like, you know, I don't know. But yeah. yeah. I can't well, wait to talk about their costumes. Yeah. The cir- <laughs> the costume circus, anyways. Uh, speaking of circus, actually, Let's the get opening it. scene here afterwards. I don't like, so I didn't really watch Bond movies a lot as like a kid. But I remember seeing this scene on TV, and this this scene always freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> I don't know why. Clowns are I think it's a mix scary. of the clowns and the fact that he's being pursued by guys with knives. Yeah, that's true. And it's this, it's like kind of filmed in this very um, espionage kind of like uh, spy thriller type scene, and, and it's like it was it was kind of freaky, and like the, yeah, there's something always scarier when the attackers don't just have guns. Because whenever it's going to be like close combat, yeah. Whenever it's going to be close combat, it's um just whenever Bond's being chased by guys with guns, you know they're going to miss their shots, and then he's just going to turn around and shoot them. But when they have knives and things like that, he usually doesn't have a gun, and then you know it's like it's going to get dirty, like it's going to get close. You know he's going to get out, but maybe he's going to get cut, maybe yeah. he's going to get hit. You don't know, yeah. and it's just. That is freaky. That that makes it much scarier. Which is I funny love because also the gun the should be scarier when they reveal that it's twins. And yeah, like because you see the guy in the one man in the background, and all of a sudden, then he turns and there's another guy right there. And you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh wait, there's twins. Like, how did he do? You know? <laughs> that's that's a great reveal of twin characters. It's like Mishka and Vishka. I think are the two guys' names. But I think actual. Well, twins. it is a circus, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they should have had like a bearded lady. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, they get pretty close there at the end. Having, That's having fair. Some stuff. But, um, yeah, so this ch- clown's being chased. Who, who end up being like an MI, it's MI uh, or 009, basically. Um, RIP. RIP. Uh, he makes all the way to the British consulate, I guess, in West Berlin or West Germany and uh, dies, but then it brings in Fabergé egg to them. Um, so, Fabergé eggs. What are your thoughts on Fabergé egg? I don't get them. There's you why. Know. I don't get it at all. It feels like a grandma thing. It feels like such an old person thing. Kind of like like collecting fine china or like those old little figurines. Yeah, like, but it's I like just an egg. Don't. And like, you know, I think growing up and knowing like Easter eggs and, and stuff, like it doesn't appear to me at first to have like a lot of value. No. So. 
they, I yeah. just this is uh, an aside, but I just read this article about like millennials don't want any of their boomers crap that they're inheriting from either <laughs> like their parents passing or just like downsizing and like they collected all of like the millennials kids stuff or just like oh well these are like fine china and this is our stuff like now that you have your house or whatever we're giving it to you and all the millennials are just like no and then the parents now who are old and are like well these things have value they're trying to resell it but all these old people are trying to resell it so now <laughs> there's just no value for all this stuff that we assume there wasn't a value for either that's 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 exactly what I think about Fabergé eggs. Like, obviously, I know they're like diamond encrusted and stuff. So, oh, I mean, they're valuable, yeah. given the material that they're made with, right? But otherwise, it's like they're ugly, right? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I if I had one or if I won won one in a contest or something, I don't know where I would put it. I don't think I'd put <laughs> it anywhere. John, guess how many beans are in this can? When you the win a Fabergé egg, egg. Yeah. it's like okay. is it Ocean's Twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're basically a plot device. That's all they. Yeah, that's all they are. But um, I mean, that's yeah. what happens in Ocean's Twelve is they put a fake Fabergé egg in and they take the like. That's what happens here. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about a the plot and let's but let's talk about like first of all, what do you think about General Orloff as one of the main villains? He's good. I I think he's great as this like weird psycho. Yeah. Like his acting, he just looks coked out of his mind through I, all his scenes. I actually think it's really interesting when you consider, you know, we saw more as the he's the most militaristic Bond because we've seen him with like the Navy and commanding troops and stuff. So I actually think the idea of like actual generals and actual people like in militaries of other countries being the direct enemy and it not just being some sort of sociopath with money um, it, like it, it makes more sense. It does make it a little bit less feel like classic bond but it also it's it feels more grounded yeah i think it's it's good to have a balance like when you do too many of rich industrialist trying to you know shape the world in his image versus like you know a rogue military figure trying to you know to you know take advantage of the situation to improve like something in the country but doing it in a drastic and evil way and i think they do a good job of just like putting Orlov against Gogol as like Gogol being like the rational Russian general, you know, and like kind of telling him, Oh, your plans, like you're crazy, you know, because what Orlov wants to do is he wants to essentially retake Europe or most of Europe, like basically the rest of Germany and some other countries and stuff. And, you know, so on the broad base, you have this thing like there, his goal is that he wants to set off a nuclear bomb in West Berlin on American base everyone will think it's an American bomb that went off and it will lead to a universal disarmament, which then will leave Europe open to tank, like invasion by tanks, basically. His tank it's a wild plan, John. It relies on a lot of like <laughs> big things that he can't control. Uh-huh. And maybe that's why the plan failed because it's just, you know, he there was too many variables to go on, including Bond. But guy was trying to play dominoes with countries. Yeah. What I don't get, though, is like, what does that have to do with Fabergé eggs and like smuggling them out of the country? I, I, I didn't what I did not understand was what, so he was he was smuggling Fabergé eggs out of the Soviet like art vault, which that's a cool room, that art vault room. But so he's he's taking the real ones out, making getting fakes made of them. And is he selling the fakes or is he selling the real ones? And then I I, I don't know what exactly what's being sold and what's not being sold. Sometimes. I just assumed he's selling the real ones to okay. fund his operation. But then does he... it doesn't seem like this is a state sanctioned operation. No, no, I don't definitely not. Definitely not a state sanctioned, yeah. sanctioned operation. I thought he, I thought he was maybe the whole Fabergé thing is that Orloff is establishing this relationship with Kamal Khan as this thing to basically like get all these players involved in this whole, like smuggling things across the, the, the border between the Soviet union and West Germany. And, in doing so, he can then, when ready, slip a nuclear bomb over, and all the all the people involved in the smuggling won't know that, like, won't know that. Right. That's what I'm I'm assuming that. The yeah, he's is. just building the pipeline. Yes, and so the almost like the Fabergé A and the money that comes from that doesn't matter. See, I was thinking it was also just another version of his sort of reverse espionage, where he was going to smuggle them out and sell them, use those funds to build his operation, and then be like. 
hey, these people stole the real eggs. Someone implanted fakes. Like, and then use that as, like, we should invade that country now. Yeah. War over Fabergé eggs. Yeah, that'd be... Priceless heirlooms. You're talking about, like, millions of billions of dollars back then. So that makes sense, then, that 009 found the real egg. Right. And so then... But he also may have just found the pipeline. Like he, yeah, yeah, you know, no, he, he discovered the operation. pipeline and stole the real egg. Yeah, as but, evidence. So then I we guess. get to the auction scene. And I just want to say, like, so he, so the, so the fake one's being sold at the auction. Bond brings the real one yeah. to the auction. And he pulls, Bond should really be a magician after this because he's got oh, his sleight of hand work yeah. is incredible. Yeah, Fabergé egg is no small thing to just uh, slip around. I'm surprised they let him actually touch it, hold sure. it, put it down sure. into his lap. And then bring it back up again. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. So, the, 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 you know, with the auction scene, it's like, you know, Bond's sleight of hand's great. Uh, we get the introduction of Kamal Khan here because I guess they they have to buy the fake one back now that they've lost the real one. They, have, they basically have to make sure that there's no fake one out there. Yeah. And so I think it's, be, okay, so it's because the Russians aren't checking their vault to see if, if their eggs are fake, that's being swapped out. Yeah. But if they sell a fake one on, at Sotheby's or on the, on the market, they will figure out it's fake. So they, that's why they're selling the real ones. And so now he was like, okay, we have to sell this, but we got to buy it now. Um, this one back. And that's when Bond amps up the price and does his whole, you know, Bond thing of uh, just being a dick. $500 million. hundred pounds. Hard currency. Um, <laughs> they also say property lady like way too many times in this scene. Oh, yeah. This Fabergé egg is the property of a lady. Like, okay. <laughs> what lady? Yeah, it's like, uh, okay. Um, Octopussy. Yeah, so he tracks Kamal Khan and uh, his crew. They, they basically take a flight back from London and they go to India. That's where he goes to India. He meets up with uh, VJ. VJ rules. VJ rules. I love VJ. Um, so he's played by VJ Armitage, Armitage, who oh. was actually a very popular and big tennis player at the time. Oh. Hence why when they're being attacked on that tuk-tuk, he's using a tennis racket as a weapon. I'm honestly surprised that they went with a tennis player and not like a really popular Bollywood person. I'm surprised too. I but maybe think Bollywood maybe VJ wasn't... just had that uh, cross appeal. Yeah, outside that's probably of India right. as well. Maybe? That's probably right. I think he won. I think he was a big name in his day for the sport, but then I think he's also big in India as well. Um, so, what did you think though when they first meet, and he's doing his whole snake charmer thing, and then he plays the Bond theme? Yeah, that was and that's you know. what Roger Moore uses to figure out that it's his contact. Th- that was. Um, <laughs> I like to think that he knows that's his song. Yeah, that's like playing in his head all the time. Like it, like a modern version of this movie, that would be his ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, phone. they did that in like I would Craig love movie. that. I would love that. It would be so good. <laughs> but it's interesting. So this is like actually a, a throwback to... very. So in Dr. No, the Bond theme is taken from this, I think, mus- like this musical, this thing called The House of Mr. Beeswas, which is an Indian thing like oh, it's like a, okay. a music that originally i think monty norman wrote and so barry is sort of honoring that in some ways by like oh that's awesome doing with thing with india oh. so like yeah it's a kind of this weird full circle thing that's going on but um it, it just yeah it's the, it's one of those things where it breaks the fourth wall a little bit and you're just kind of like eh, it's interesting it's 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 weird but at the same time it doesn't really bother me too much as far as a, a move with yeah. them recognizing their own theme in yeah. their own world but you know uh let's see after what do you think about the dice game this is like kind of like the the baccarat scene or you know i mean it's not as good as baccarat no it's it's a little more simple to understand i guess yeah except like they're only like doing double or it's like you must i guess you know let's, uh, yeah so i guess what i would say is that the thematically it just doesn't feel as important as something like baccarat I mean, when he's, like, in the casino and the stakes are high and, like, they've, like, drawn out this whole, like, thing and it's, like, 
the game is so important as a buildup, and this feels more of an aside. Yes. Um, what do you think of Kamal Khan? Louis Dijardin. Louis, yeah. I, I like Kamal Khan. I don't like him nearly as much as I like the general. I like the general more than Kamal. Um, uh, yes, uh, Mr. Bunk. <laughs> Be very wise and spend the money quickly, Mr. Bunk. Uh, it's like uh, he puts like an a on like every word at the en- beginning and end of every word yeah ah <laughs> uh, <that's terrible. laughs> but yeah it's he's interesting it's i like him but yeah it's there there are a lot of characters in this movie like there's a lot of things going on because like orlaf is in the beginning but he's like isn't really much in the movie at all and it's mostly kamal khan um and and then once you get to Octopussy, then it's like she kind of joins, but then she isn't really a villain at all. So it's like no, she's like an anti-hero almost. Yeah. So, but uh, one thing with the dice game, I love that when Bond beats him, he takes his own dice and he uses it and he, like gets double sixes and wins it. Like Bond, uh, Kamal Khan has that. Like he just has the one. Like he just raises his his hand and that's like his checkbook move. Like the guy then brings yeah. the checkbook to him <laughs> to like sign it. It's like oh, like I, I, does, is he losing that much that like he knows that's the move? But uh, <laughs> um, and then like Bond's like, I want cash, give me cash only, which ends up saving his life later, having yeah. like you know giant stacks of rupees in his uh, coat, you know. which it turns out are not little like diamond jewels. Not <laughs> yes, yes. I think that is. I think I growing Zelda up you think reference that, for yes, anyone yes, that doesn't think, know. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Uh, so then we get the tuk tuk chase after the this yeah. thing. This is where we get like every cliche, like Indian culture. Yeah, that's moment. a good point. This is sort of like <laughs> this is probably the most eye rolling scene of the movie. Yeah, just because it's like I get it. They're trying to balancing this sort of action with comedy, but it's like, oh, there's a guy with a bed of nails, and there's a sword swallower, and there's like. All these like snake charmer and blah, like all these things are like yeah it's like just a parade of yeah oh there's Dalsim doing yoga fire it's yeah. like <laughs> they just it's like we didn't need that it's like yeah. I mean, I will say though I was pumped about the elephant chase like when he's being chased when, down when get, by the yeah, guy yeah the, the hunting elephant stuff later, is all really cool that was cool as minus hell. the Tarzan yell well of course. <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> which you know side note like. That yell seems like you would pass out after doing it. Like there's so it seems there's sure. so much power behind it. Like how would you be able to be able to like swing and like yell at that level? Um, and also, why would you yell? Yeah, I really like Kamal Khan's bodyguard Gobinda. Like that, like just the big oh yeah, Hulk guy. And he, like I like how his like weapon of choice is like a blunderbuss shotgun. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he was he was probably the most menacing dude. Yeah, the fact that he like can crush those dice into it's very yeah obviously very um. Uh, what's his face? Uh, odd job. Uh, odd job very, yeah. yeah, very odd jobby um, in that way. So, um, but I, yeah, Gomez is great. He's got he got those intense eyes, which is cool. Um, but yeah, the tuck tuck chase, you know, ends. They get away. Um, then is this where, yeah, we get to uh, Q branch set up uh, here. This is great. I love this Q scene. It has everything that I like out of a Q scene where he kind of walks him through, and they just go from this gadget to this gadget to this gadget like there'll be a scene where he's like not like that bond like you know like where bond screws at something he shouldn't be or then he'll there's always like one thing that he shows bond that actually gets his attention too and he's kind of like oh that is pretty good and he has to like make a joke about it like when he he uh shows him like the corrosive acid that'll like eat through the metal that's after he stops screwing around he kind of looks at vj and he's like it's pretty uh-huh. good <laughs> he's like uh, that, oh i like this one <laughs> And then he uses that uh, little bit of government property for a little bit of sexual harassment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, not great, but also, like, kind of funny. Yeah. It's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It was very, like, for a second there, I was like, wait, what's happening? And I'm like, oh, I see now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. And then they don't change the shot. They just leave it on her projected boobs <laughs> the whole time. You think you think Q would be like, "Oh come on, double sign!" Like move turn the camera the screen for off. him. Yeah, turn the screen off. Yeah, He's turn like, the, just a... turn the screen off. Like, yeah. <laughs> tell her to move. <laughs> like something. I did wish they maybe for all the close-ups of Q showing off the gadgets, they used a different actor because 
Q's hands shake so much <laughs> that it's it, like unfortunate. It's just like imagine you... if he had to do surgery on you. <laughs> now hold still, Bond. He'd be like, I'm not moving. He'd be like, <laughs> well, when he had to put later that that little listening device into the Faberge <laughs> egg, I was like, no. He goes, he goes. It's extremely powerful and extremely delicate, and it's just like shaking as he's trying to put it inside. Yeah, it's you know, it's he's he's getting up there in age, and it's and he's like still a... he's still the same actor that plays Q for another decade, yeah, or more. Yeah. It's like almost fifteen. There's probably like another fifteen years. I I was rewatching a scene from Golden Eye again, the, the Q scene from Golden Eye, just for fun. Yeah, um, and by then you can you you'll be interested when you watch it, but like you can see that he's reading off cue cards at that by that point. And like when he's talking Q to cards. when he's talking to Brosnan and you can see him look off to the side while while talking and then look back at Bond when he's you know and Bond's talking and just like, okay, yeah, like he you know, he's man. cute, he's charming. I love yeah. I love Desmond Wells cute, but it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like he's get he gets Stop old and, dragging him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Let this old man retire. Yeah. Well he didn't want to retire. He Clearly. He, unfortunately he he died in a car accident. Wow, I didn't. So, but he did. He retired though in the movie though. So they kind of gave him this send off in Tomorrow Never Dies, and he. But I think he was planning to come back for The World's Not Enough, but then died in a car accident. Oh, oh that's no, shock- uh, sorry. One more. That's, uh, yeah, the- that's surprising that he would have uh, come back, considering it seemed like that was his like I'm leaving. I think it was like a, a like I. I love that scene. I think they left it open because I think they they sort of he was getting really up there in age. Yeah. And so fair. it was sure. like, they didn't know. So they, I think they left it open that like he could be sure. placed or, but it wasn't quite sure. So he could always come back and, you know. So. I don't mind the current cue. I like the actor that plays him. Uh, I think it's interesting to have a young take, but I would like to see, I don't know. I think there's something charming about this old sweet man. Yeah. Older Q. man. And... Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they could get, they should have Judy Dutch come back and be cute. Here. I would love that. That would be, be kind so of interesting. Good. Yeah, that would be so good. Or like Helen Mirren or some other like like you know, oh, established hey British actress as as Q. No, no, no. Let's just let's just stop at Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren is to be the first sexy Q. Or if you want to go goofier, you could do like Olivia Coleman as as Q. Who is that? Uh she played. um You look her up. She's like in the favorite. She won Oscar for the favorite. She played like the queen. Oh, okay, okay, um, but. She's in uh, Hot Fuzz. She's like the one female officer in the in the precinct. <laughs> anyway, get the guy that played Hodor. He's just like he's like he's like now you have to be careful. It's very delicate with his giant hands, <laughs> just like gonna snap everything. Like Bond would be like, "You sure you don't want to work in the field?" He's like, "No, I want to do this." Um, yeah. So after he gets all his gadgets, we get the whole. Uh, he seduces Magda, which is like Kamal's, you know, uh-huh. assistant or the number two, I guess. Um, this is where we get probably the worst line of the movie, uh, where he notices the octopus tattoo on her back. And he's like, what's that? And he's like, she's like, it's my little octopusy," Which confuses me because so Maud Adams character is named Octopussy in which she claims that, oh, that's my pet, na- the pet name my father gave me. But then her the crew she leads, she calls them the octopuses. So it's like no, it's the octopus like cl- cult or whatever it's called. But yeah. uh, but I think like the members. Yeah, but it's like individually them. each one is or whatever. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah, because it's like uh, it's it's a bit like a cult. Like she's sort of the ringleader, and they're all, you know, there's there's no hierarchy. It's just her and then them. Yeah, but it's a weird it's a weird concept to name your cult, your crew and your cult after like a pet name your father gave you like. It's like starting like the Bubby Club or I don't know or something. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if she adopted that name for herself in a way. Yeah. It's it's just it's weird. Of it's course weird. it's weird. The whole thing's weird. They should have come up with a better name for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it is strange. Um but Magda so they basically sleep together. It is like the other weird thing about this scene is that like they cut straight from they don't even show more charming her. It's like they basically like he interrupts her dinner or whatever, and then they cut to straight in the bed. I'm like, oh, maybe like, she was a snake charmer too. Yeah, you. Th- but I just want hey. to see a little more of uh, <laughs> a little more more charm game going. Sure. On. He doesn't. I don't think he does enough of it. I guess they were saving it later for mod, but um, 
But she does the cool move of she ties her sari around the uh, the balcony and uses it to uh, basically climb out of the window, which is cool. Yeah. And meet Kamal Khan at the bottom there, um, which is cool. So, yeah, she steals the Fabergé, the real one, back from Bond. And he, after he puts a listening device into it. Yes. So then Bond gets captured. This is where we get the whole hunting thing that you uh, that you said you like. I um, mean, you, you know, it actually reminded me a bit of, um, you know, Westworld when we had Raj yep. World. And I was just like, oh, we never got to, like, see that world before it all fell apart. And I wish we could have because it seemed so cool. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of that right now. Yeah, this is it, just basically. Yeah. The hosts are hunting Bond. It's like kind of what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's this. Yeah, he's on the run. It's weird because it's not like other like see you know moments in other movies where Bond's on the run and like has no weapon. This one I didn't really feel ever did. I never felt like he was in danger. No, but there was still something terrifying about an elephant chasing after you. And like he runs into a tiger. Yeah, he trains the tiger. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. He's like, sit, sit. Is um, it like supposed to be like the circus tiger? Yeah, he did like just pulls a circus move on him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bond's just that good. Uh, he runs into like a giant cobweb of spiders. <laughs> I couldn't imagine living in a place where there just might be wild tigers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's we live in a place crazy. with wild raccoons and possums and skunks. So yeah, just imagine a Bengal raccoons. tiger. <laughs> I've seen some big racks out here. Yeah some good ones um he gets gets a leech on him he's got to burn it off he goes through he goes through everything (laughs) like like, how many things can we put him through um but he does eventually i guess find the location of this octopus cult he uses my favorite gadget of the movie which is the alligator submarine (laughs) again this movie has everything underwater above ground in the air it's great I just think it's like it, it, it seemed really cramped in that alligator submarine. It seemed incredibly cramped. In also, I, I was really worried that the water was going to like flow into oh, his like no. head yeah. area. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he has like a little like shield guard to prevent the water from overflowing. So, uh, great device. Um, so, now that we get to the titular octopusy, who more so than the man with the golden gun, Mott Adams, this one is very much like Melania Trump. Yeah, and so there's like a backstory between these two characters, and I thought it was strange because is this something we've seen, or is this they're just like, no, this is them exposition. inserting the the one thing from the book, the short story, yeah, into it, it, the thing. I wish they could have found something another reason. Yeah, it's like it it's kind of it's it's you yeah you wish <laughs> it, it just feels like they they've made it like sound like there's this important moment that Bond had that we've never seen. And I was kind of like, uh, there should have been some better reason. It would have been cool that... if they connected it to another movie event somehow. Yeah. Like, I don't know which one. But that's, but just, like... that's just more of, like, modern filmmaking. Yeah. That's the difference. And the thing is, is, like, it's like his her father was, like, some type of disgrace, like, disgraced person. And Bond was sent to bring him in. And, but she he allowed him to basically commit suicide versus going to prison. Yeah. And, um. She, like, then appreciates him for that, and that's when... Well, I think it was more about just having to go on trial for treason than it was even... Yeah, it's, like, disrespecting his name or something. Yeah, because it probably would have dragged their whole family down, whereas now he just died, and it was Yeah, kinda, like... and now she runs, like, a weird circus cult thing. Yeah, instead. dude. <laughs> it's her and her eight incredible octopuses. And her and her little pet octopus that Dude, the uses. Kraken. Um, let's... What do you think about the gang of guys they hire to kill Bob. Dude, this was sick. This was like, so, okay, so the, the movie has the general, pretty cool, kind of an interesting villain. Yeah. It's got it's got the big boy, very cool. He, yeah. He's just gonna lay the smack You got Orlaf, you got Kamal Khan, you got Gobinda, which Gobinda, is kind of that's the Jaws, and then yeah, you have, so like, these Gobinda. other guys they hire. But these guys, the saw, dude, the buzz saw, he drops the buzz yo-yo saw. Yo-yo It's buzz like a saw. yo-yo. It was so freaking cool it felt like a character out of street fighter it was yes. so awesome that whole scene was one of the coolest fight scenes i've seen in any of the bomb movies i think it's great it's a little funny that like he has to be on the second story all the time for it to work properly like 
sure he, he eventually yeah. he uses it like hand-to-hand combat like after yeah. he gets stuck he could try but, he's got to learn how to walk the dog yeah he should try other <laughs> things with it because like he when unfortunately when uh, like rest in peace vj when he gets buzzsawed it's Aww. like it's from it's from above and then when they almost get caught in, like sawed up in the bed it's like he does it from above it's like oh it's like once you kind of get away from him from you're kind of safe from his buzzsaw <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he could swing it around. He's just he, he's not uh, proficient enough with it yet. He's got to take some yo-yo courses. I'm surprised in in any of the Brosnan movies there wasn't like a yo-yo like uh, villain. Would have been awesome. Like henchman. That would have been awesome. You know, uh, speaking of Jaws, by the way, and I was thinking of this the other day. Um, I really loved the character in the last movie. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who like makes the special weapons. He made the uh, Lazar. Guy. Imagine if he like was like showing off weapons he made, and there was like a prototype of like the Jaws mouth. Like yeah. that would have made the Jaws thing make way more sense too. If like he had built that, yeah, for him, like he almost like in the background you see just a full body like outline of Jaws. <laughs> you know, but Jaws <laughs> but it's just like it's, you know, it's just the mouth part. Yeah, no, but but in Gold, uh, not Gold, uh, thinking uh, the uh, uh, Moonraker. Uh, when Bond kicks him in the nuts, it makes a metal sound. So, like, it's assuming oh, his right. whole body is right. like made of metal. Yeah, it. Uh, they they need to bring. There's a character that for the Just next like, series he of makes Bond the weapons for all the bad back. guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, or even yeah. for he just he's like he's like Switzerland, you know? Like he's neither good or bad. He just makes the coolest yeah. weapons. Yeah. Uh-huh. Man, it's just the coolest idea for a character. No, it's and that's that's I like to think Mr. Buzzsaw went there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he survives that. This is then we get to the kind of the well, first. Well, wait, by the way, he survives that by utilizing the pet octopus. Too. Oh, yeah. 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 We throw, the guy gets thrown into the, the <laughs> fish tank and then then the octopus basically does its thing, which I, that was also a scene that freaked me out as a kid seeing this seeing this part. Yeah. Um, and can I just it needs to be mentioned that all of the women in this gang are yeah. dressed like the Incredibles. They're dressed like um, Thing 1 and Thing 2 from yeah, Dr. Which Seuss. Is, which is also the Incredible. Yeah. It's just, it's a white jumpsuit with a belt and a, a, a red jumpsuit with a belt and a, a white, white circle, circle in the center. Thing. It's like the exact same. It feels so thing. out of place. It's so crazy. Because then, like, later, some of them are wearing, like, authentic, like, Indian garb. You know, this, this this is the one scene out of all of them that felt the most like a hangover from the 70s. And yeah. like like the like they still had like a costume designer or something from the old movies working on this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, basically the, the finale this is like a two part finale on this. We get the whole stuff within in Berlin and in, uh, in Germany here. All this stuff is really great. This whole like switching of the the jewels with the bomb and then the train stuff and and bond like doing this whole chase afterwards and you get the whole like car on the on the on the rail stuff yeah the car and the train was great the way he like kind of side sidles up along it so that he can get onto the train that was awesome yeah that was also was cool um him like running up and down up and along the top of the train to try to stop it um Orloff like basically gets caught and like tries to escape on the like through the train. He gets like shot some bunch. That's how he unfortunately, you know, dies. Unfortunately, yes. And he's like, I'm. He's like, he's Gorgo's like, you're a traitor. He's like, but tomorrow I'll be a hero for the Soviet Union. Ha ha. <laughs> As his like eyes bulge out of his skull. Yeah, it's like, gee. <laughs> so the thing I just wanted to talk about here though is that. There, so the bomb is supposed to go off during this like event when they have like mil- U.S. military guys at this thing. The clock is running out. There isn't much time to do this thing. First, I liked how he dispatches of the Mishka and Grishka, the, the, the knife guys. I thought it was pretty cool. He then dresses up like one of them to get some of the other things. The thing I wanted to talk about is after he breaks onto the base, he steals some car. He like drives on. Unauthorized. He only has like minutes, minutes to stop this bomb. What does he do? He gets into full clown makeup and full clown outfit. I don't know how much time he wasted doing that. 
just to sneak in. It's clear he's done it before, John. Yes. <laughs> There's no way you could do that for the first time and the, be that successful at it that quickly. Yeah, I would say as far as like overall, this might be the the weirdest part, the strangest part, and sometimes the weakest part of the movie. Just like seeing Bond dressed as a clown during this like, the heightened moment. It's just so strange. <laughs> yeah. And then him like, what's his move? He's like, I'm going to run over to the general and be like, General, we have to get these people out of here as like as a clown. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he disarms the bomb as a clown. As a clown. And <laughs> what I love as well, after he does it, everyone's just like, "Yay!" and they like kind of applaud and like no one kind of reacts at first. And they kind of everyone just kind of celebrates. And then you have the one guy being like, "Great job, man." Great yeah. job for disarming that bomb. <laughs> it's like whenever we just like panic and run, <laughs> like stampede out of there. It was a different time back then. Yeah, you know, this is before it was before uh, we were all so sensitive, John. Now we're all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. back then people were tougher. Sure, it was ridiculous. Or maybe this part they of the didn't movie understand what the what this, the danger the, was. There's no. This this feels so. This is, I think, like you're right. This is probably also like the easiest place to criticize the film in many ways, other than obviously like the weird stereotypical part earlier. But um, they didn't need to go for the double climax. Like they tried to break up the two things, and they should have just found a way to to do it all together. Because once they took out the general, it was kind of like, well, okay, we still need to go deal with the bomb and everything. But if they had found a better way to wrap those up consecutively, I think it would have worked better. Then it it does make the movie feel a little bit long. Yeah, because you have like multiple kind of finales. Yeah, and I feel like you have to do the clown thing, and the reason why you have to do the clown thing because it started was, with it. Well, it's because it's one of those things where if you do something ridiculous during what already now feels like a ridiculous scene, it sort of makes the rest of it feel like it evens it out. Like, if he didn't do the clown thing, then it would just feel, like, exhausting, I think. And you'd be like, all right, come on, wrap it up. And now you're like, what the hell is going on? It's true. They, yeah. I, I think they just they failed to write a, a, a more cohesive, like, way to wrap up the story with just both happening at the same time. Yeah. And I think I, I, think I don't I think the real villains... Octopussy and her ladies help here. Well, they didn't know. That's the thing. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like he could have, like... He got them on their side, basically, at this point. He could have informed them, and as a team, they could have taken down the general and the bomb. And, like, that could have been... Imagine, like, they're doing an assault on, on the train. Well, that's what they, they did later at the castle, so... It's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's kind of what I'm saying, though. It's like, you now have, like... There, it feels like a two... You know, it's yeah. like a two... Well, that's, I think, the problem of when you have two major villains working together, yeah. but not necessarily together physically... And so then when it's like you take out one, you still got to take out the other. And it's just like it. they end up making this kind of long thing about it. They don't spend too much time, thankfully. But so like after the bomb gets destroyed, then we go back to India where then there's this assault on Kamal Khan's sort of palace where there's a cool, a couple of cool item moments here. Um, no, one, I mean, the, the whole thing is cool. It, visually, it looks great. I mean, I think it's get, just out of order. Of your, you got some of your favorite stuff here, though. But it, I do, but it just, the, my whole problem with it is that it fell out of order. Like, it feels like they killed the boss before they killed the mini boss. Yeah, but they kind of set up Kamal Khan to be kind of like the more like sinister guy. Yeah, I guess that's fair in some ways. I you mean, know. he wasn't but, yeah, trying you, you, to set you, off the nuke. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is weird. But I was going to point out that we do get your favorite activity here, which is belly dancing for just a brief moment. Yeah. You know. Wait, when they're distracting the guards. See, the guards like it. The guards are dumb. <laughs> uh, they work they, for Kamal Khan. Yeah. And then they use their their uh, uh, gymnastics abilities to get people over the wall and open the door. And even elephants use, I think, at one point. But um, what do you think of Q and his uh, British balloon? <laughs> so at this point in the movie, I thought we were basically done with any interesting vehicle stuff. And I really like balloons. I love hot air balloons. Uh, I mean, it's no airship, John. It's no dirigible, but it's, it's still pretty cool. 
It was still pretty cool. And I, I, I didn't think there'd be even more happening after that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it gets better. I think, the, like I said, I think we, I pointed out at the beginning, like this moment of storming the castle and all feels like a much older movie where it's like you have one kind of big set and you have just a bunch of extras running around, like kicking each other and fighting each other. Uh, the only part I like really, really like this, or I like all of it, but the one I really, part, I really, really like is um, when Bond slides down the banister with the machine gun. Great move. Great stunt move. Great move. Then he has to shoot the little knob off at the end of the banister because I don't, he doesn't want his junk to get hit, which is also a great Bond move. <laughs> you know, he's got to watch out for, you know, the old martini glass. Honestly, in some ways, I feel like it would have been more dangerous to shoot it off because if he missed and he just had like a big old splinter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like you're better just getting like a blunt force than like a... You you know like he gets sliced. Yeah. You know you don't you don't want to be impaled. His his taint gets sliced, <laughs> as some would say. Um, yeah, uh, that that was like I think the best move at that moment. And then uh, we get the I don't get, know why not just put your feet out in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or just like or just like feet. like kind of as you're jumping off a horse or something, kind of like whip your left leg over and just jump onto the, yeah. the stairs. So there were there were plenty of other options. I think they just wanted Bond to have like a nice visual gag of like, oh, but yeah. I'd like hit my nuts and then... The, it's just, Bond is always going to be a little too reckless. Yeah, but great moment. I love that scene. Um, we get a brief horse chase into a plane chase where they mm. s- somehow go from India to Utah. <laughs> it's a completely different environment, but you know. Uh, if you only if you notice, but so this plane sequence is amazing, where Bond goes from horse to jumps onto the tail of the plane, grabs onto the top of the plane. You then have a real actor holding on to the plane while it's yeah. taking off into yeah. high altitude. Very Mission Impossible. Yes. So, which is kind of funny to think of, like you know, oh, like this movie did it thirty years prior, and yeah. Well, I guess the difference, I think that the, the difference there is two things. It's supposed to be that, like, the actual actor did it. They didn't have a stuntman who's a professional. I mean, I guess Tom Cruise is a professional stuntman. Um, yeah, he's also crazy. Yeah, he's a psycho. Uh, and I think the difference actually is because, the, I mean, there's always been, like, stunt plane guys who are like, oh, I'm going to go out on the wings while we're flying. Yeah. But I think the Mission Impossible one was supposed to be crazy because he did it, like, while it was taking off. So it's like all that turbulence. Well, there was, like you, the, you have a shot here where it's taking off. And yeah, like, that's true. And I, so, it was cool. I was surprised by it. No, it, it, it was cool. Um, you know, it definitely made me be like, "Oh, you're not so special, Tom." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, it's it's where it's sort of you know movie like it, it just shows you how influential the Bond franchise has been on action. Oh yeah, and you know they're like always trying new things and trying different things and. Um, you know, I think I think this all this stuff was really cool with, you know, Gobinda getting up on the plane and he uses like the little antenna to whack him in the face and just knocks him off the plane, which is cool. Um, and then you get the whole plane crash with Kamal Khan and um, though that when it does cut to the inside the plane, it's clearly they're not flying it; they're just like parked somewhere. It's like it looks a little cheap in that part, but big time. All the all the exterior stunt stuff looks great, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, I think. Um, that kind of wraps it up because then after that we just um you know like you get, standard you get, bond yeah you get like m and gogol discussing the jewelry thing and then you get bond hooking up with octopusy on her little boat thing mm. and it ends with like such a weird note where she's like james james <laughs> like she she shows him something cool yeah <laughs> but yeah and then you, and then it kind of ends like suddenly with you know all time high plane again yeah which is always good to end with but you know i think again like i think my only critique was maybe a little bit too long sure but i didn't say that this time because i always say that yeah (laughs) but action-packed and lots of good stuff yeah i i think just like the color as well the picture quality just everything about this feels like the transition into modern bond and i'm i'm really glad we actually got one roger moore movie with that because um i've liked him so much as james bond yeah so that was awesome this 
this is my favorite. I think right now, if you had me rank all of the Bond movies that we've watched so far, this might be my favorite one. <laughs> okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Like that's like recency bias in yeah. some ways. Um, but it was so fun. This was like maybe the most fun Bond movie. Well, make sure you consider it when we do our like top five. Yeah. Oh, stuff. I'm I'm remembering. I'm remembering because we're gonna do a top so, five episode once we finish. All who these is your favorite Bond? That's hot. I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be Brosnan. I think just because there's a, I think growing up with that sure. being your Bond, like it's sort of like, yeah, is in your core. I sort of feel that way, except I know that, and I love his movies, and I can't wait to watch them. But they're also so crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like. I don't know if I, I have to really think about what my like favorite because like more yeah. has definitely improved his stock since we've we, we, like watched most of well, his stuff. And with the age of more, I I'm actually curious as to why Brosnan was not Bond anymore, because like I feel like he's still young enough to do some old old man Bond stuff. Yeah. No. And actually, this movie was one of the movies he was considered for initially because oh. remember how we discussed that he right. was introduced in the movie prior with his wife at the time. Um being brought on and so he was i think auditioned and tested james uh james brolin josh brolin's father was tested for james bond thank goodness that did not happen and so hey james brolin's good uh but he's american so it's been weird he's, yes correct um so but then ultimately they went with roger moore they brought him back but yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see what you think of dalton because that's the one we're next doing we're doing next with the living daylights um and that and this that will be the final, I think, title that he's the Fleming title, basically, of original title. And then after right. that, it's all we're just gonna do movie order based on what we haven't done yet. Right. So exciting. But, yeah. So very exciting. Thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you on the next mission in the Living Daylights. 